I'm Nick Bester, the founder of Best Athletics, and I'm joined by Charles Lawrence, who I'm incredibly excited to talk to today. Charles is a 216 marathon runner himself, and recently he broke the 50 mile world record. He did 50 miles in four hours, 48 minutes, 21 seconds. He's also an HVM in athletes. Charles, welcome. How are you doing? Dude, I'm doing well. Happy to be here. So thanks for thanks for having me on, man. Cool, cool, cool. Thanks for joining us. Um, so you know what? Let's let's cut to the chase. Tell us all about the world record. How did the day plan out? Were you targeting it from the start? Was it something you had in on, in your sights, or did you just think I'm feeling good today? Uh, let's give it a go. Yeah, man. So this was probably like the whole story. Um, really started. It was about a two year process, almost two and a half years. So. I verbalized it to a buddy at dinner who was kind of in the ultra world at the time, Fernando Cabada, the fall of 2021. And he's like, dude, if you do it, you should do that tunnel hill just because they flat fast. It's a crushed gravel trail. It's not as fast as pavement, but it's going to save your legs. So kind of by design, hopefully you're not, your legs aren't taking as much of a beating. So in my head, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I think I can run the pace. I know a fast course. I just have to put it into motion now. And unfortunately I got injured. I had, had a grade four sacral stress fracture, came down with that January, 2022. And then wasn't able to race again until February of 2023. So I was cross training that like 13 months out. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, not, not fun at all. So it was officially put on the calendar like this past summer, like June, July. So it was kind of a, it was a very unique build. There's a lot of emphasis on the marathon, like marathon plus type stuff. So definitely bigger block days. Um, still kept a lot of marathon specific work, still kept VO2, 5k type work in. Um, but it was a unique build because I had to like one, get my qualifier for the Olympic trials, not necessarily overcook myself there to make sure like I didn't still had the legs to go for 50 miles a month later. Wow. So out for 13 months, uh, not proper training and, you know, huge kudos to you for sticking in for that cross training. It definitely paid off. Had you not been injured in those 13 months, do you think you would have gone significantly faster and uh, even in the marathon distance um, while below 216? Or do you think actually that cross training helped you to reach the levels where you at at the moment? Um, honest answer, it's hard to say. I would have loved to go faster at that point too. Like that was a goal. So I think it helped the mental side really of just like a longer race with being injured. So it's like kind of the plus or minus you're losing running fitness, but you're also building your aerobic base in the pool on the bike. Um, also just kind of training my mind. Like I was already like, I already loved long runs. I can go run 20 miles right now at sub six pace, no warm up. you know, nothing like it's, it's always just come pretty easy for me. Um, but like, when it comes to like just that mental training where for me, it was like in the back of my head, it's like, cool, I want to go break this world record. And then I'm like, well, a five hour bike ride shouldn't bother you today. Or like three hours in the pool. Like, dude, mm -hmm. if you want to run, like the world record is 450. Like, oh wait, like that means you have to be running for at least four hours, 40 minutes and change probably, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. so why, like, why would a five hour bike ride bother you? That's way easier than running 50 miles, you know? So um, it's one of those mental things, like just day by day, like go do another three hours in the pool go do an hour on the bike after the pool, go smash a six hour ride. Like, but it's just kind of framing it that way. So that's the, that's kind of the mental approach I took. So in that respect, I think it helped, but I think also too, like just the cumulative fatigue of just still running and that volume maybe could have helped me put, put up maybe a little quicker race, but who knows, you know, I was on 442, 443 pace through, through the first 35 ish miles, you know, like I thought I was going to break it by a lot. Obviously I'm an uncharted territory beyond that. So um, but I had enough money in the bank to work with where I knew I was still going to get it. Um, but yeah, like even down the road, just getting ahead of here. Like I, I think I can go 444, 445, uh, maybe as fast as like 442. So um, that's obviously down the line. Um, got to get faster, got to get stronger and all that. But um, amazing. amazing. 
Well, that, well, that was your first attempt at the at the fifty mile world record. So yep. yeah, I mean, if you went four forty eight, you could potentially go go sub four forty one day. Who's to say you can't do that? But uh, that's incredible. And you know what? A lot of runners out there listening to this podcast, and I think thinking about doing ultras one day. I've actually come from an ultra running background myself. I started with a race called Comrades Marathon back in South Africa, and um, highly recommend it as an ultra uh, ultra runner yourself. It's known as the ultimate human race. You, if you're thinking about doing it, you have to go do it one day. Yeah, Comrades is one of like I have like two or three races that like I want to win in my career. One's a hundred k World Championships, and then like probably at the top of that, above that is even Comrades. So I wanna I wanna go try to win Comrades. Probably not this year, but like the next like following year, twenty twenty five or twenty six. We'll see. So, amazing amazing 100 we'll, percent. we'll be tracking you and backing you that's for sure um but yeah like the you know i've done i've done three comrades when i first started and i also can't wait to make a return to to comrades one day i'm just waiting for the kids to get a bit older so they can let me sleep a bit better because i know how crucial yeah that <laughs> when when you did comrades did you do so was it was just the uphill year or yeah, so, so it alternates every year so i started with the downhill year so it goes from peter maritzburg to durban and then the next year goes from durban to peter maritzburg um, so yeah, I did two downs and one up, uh, and then I left South Africa to come to, to the UK where I've been living for the last just over seven years. Cool. But Hey, if I was still in South Africa, I probably would be doing it every year and, um, I'm definitely going to make, make a return to it. Um, yeah, there's just, there's something so special about that race. Like they call it the ultimate human race and, and especially in the ultra space. And I've noticed ultra runners, like it's the one that they really want to target and focus on. And there's just a feeling of achievement when you cross that finish line. Like I don't really get emotional when I cross uh, a marathon finish line or even, you know, if, if you have a, if I have a really good 5k, 10k half marathon, but as soon as I finish the comrades, it's just like the emotions come out. And I just think there's just something so special about that race. So yeah, I know the times were, were really quick last year. They shortened the routes a tiny bit by two or three k's, which is uh, a mile to a mile and a half. And, both the first and second place got the the world record. So, um, yeah, times are definitely getting quicker for for comrades. But hey, I'm sure you're keeping an eye on it. And um, yeah, it's it's honestly the most unreal experience. I couldn't recommend it more highly for you. Yeah, no, it's a it's on the list. Was that was that a downhill year? Yeah, yeah, it was a downhill you got the year. Record? So, or, so basically, the okay. last one, yeah, which was 2023, was a down run, and then the up runs 2024, yeah, and then the down runs 2025. And um, cool. It's weird. You, you'll speak to, to different runners and, and some prefer the up run, some prefer the down run. I think generally the lighter runners prefer the up run um, in a way because the up run is a little bit shorter than the down run. Um, but to me, the up run's more relentless. It's grueling. Like you do so much climbing. It's like, whereas the down run, the down run is a lot of impacts on your muscles and bones and you're super 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 stiff for like a week afterwards but i don't find it you know as grueling as climbing up all that elevation on on the up but having said that sometimes you you do the down run and you think where are the downhills in this at, at the halfway stage you've actually climbed more than yeah you had a higher point at halfway than where you started so don't be deceived but um yeah, I'm sure you'll do your research and you're going in with, with a pretty good uh, credibility having been the 50-mile world record holder. But if, you, if you've got good legs at halfway on the down run, you really can take so much advantage of that second half and, and put in a big negative split. Which one are you more excited to do? The, the up or the down? Or? Dude, I don't know because I, I love just grinding. Like I'm very good at just grinding hills, just like sitting in on that like that pretty painful threshold, but just sitting there and maintaining it and like 
feel like I can outgrind pretty much anyone, especially at, you know, 50 miles, 60 miles. But that being said too, it's like having the 50 mile world record. Like, I feel like I get a downhill and a consistent down, you know, not necessarily consistent downhill, but if I'm able to really rip and have the legs for it, it's like, I feel like I could run 535 for that, you know? So I don't know, like I, I, I'd probably at the point, I'd probably try to do both. That, that, that's the way the race sort of sucks you in because if you do one, so I always actually only ever planned to do one and it was a down. And then people are like, you, but you've done the down now you've got to do the up and you only have one chance. There's a back-to-back medal. So there's a special medal that's back-to-back. And if you don't do it, your the very next time you do it, you never can get that medal. And so basically if you do one and you miss your next year, you don't get that back-to-back medal. So then basically what happens is you do it down and then people are like, okay, you got to do that up. You got to get that medal. And you're like, okay, cool. And then you do the up and then you kind of like, mm, okay, I've got so much to learn. I, I know the route now. Now let me see if I train a bit harder, what I can do in the down. And then the way they really suck you in is once you do 10, you get a thing called the green number. So a lot of runners just, yeah, it, it doesn't stop. And then from there, it goes even further. So just a warning, <laughs> yeah. you probably won't just do one or two. But just going back to your, your world record, tell me what happens when you, when you break a world record? Like, um, does anything specific happen? Do you, do you, you know, they, you, they take your details for anything and they obviously do testing afterwards. How exactly does, the, does it work once you become a world record holder? Yeah. So, you know, cross that line and, you know, truthfully it was like, and my girlfriend was sick of me saying it, but it was like, I truly thought I was going to get it. Like there was really not a doubt in my mind that I wasn't going to get it. So I, so I crossed the line and I was just like, cool, there we go. Like job done. I did it. You know, like I told you. You had a bit of a celebration crossing the line as well. Just, yeah, a little bit of a, <laughs> a little gun down at the line. Lovely. It was a combination of a uh, shooting by Gavin and LeBron James, the pistol. So <laughs> I don't know. Like, I didn't know, I, I didn't know what I was going to do if I was going to tap my watch, but I just, that's just like what came 10 seconds for the line. I'm like, ah, that sounds good. Do that. So yeah, I was fortunate where I haven't been around like when Des broke her world record and seeing like her and Josh Cox, our agent kind of like put that together. Like we, I knew what I had to do. So right when I registered, sent an email to Steve Urban, the race director, he made sure the course was like officially recertified world athletics, USATF. And I was still like, well, I'm going to need drug testing. So we're going to need USADA there and all that. So we're like, I finished the line. It's like, we know the course is certified. They did all, they did their job there. I did my job, ran the time. Now it's like, now I need to go uh, meet up with the drug tester at USADA, get that, have that in, you know, um, emails with World Athletics and IEU to make sure like they needed my birth certificate, they need my passport, they need like just the formal like paperwork done that the race also had to submit. So it was good. Like it's officially ratified now. Like it literally got ratified like a week ago, um, which is, it's annoying process. Like took the drug test, you know, the same day of the race and all that, but took two months to get the results back. It's like, I knew they were fine, but so it's like, guys, it's like, just get it. It's not hard. Like you're just testing my wow. urine. Like, like wow. yeah. So, so we got it done, but, I, but it was fortunate, you know, again, I, I just kind of copy and paste it exactly what Josh and Des did and did that. So I guess a two month process, but yeah. Very, very cool. Very cool. And something that not a lot of people will uh, ever get the chance to, to sort of take part in that once they cross the finish line. So it's very awesome to hear. Thanks for sharing. Um, okay. So crucial, crucial part to ultra training is fueling and getting the fueling correct, right? There's no ways you can run 50 miles without fueling properly. Anything sort of over marathon distance, um, fueling becomes even more important. So to a lot of listeners out there, one, how did you fuel for you know training and the ultra itself and two what would be your best bits of tips and advice for them yeah so for me it's like and this is kind of just like i don't say it's overused but it's it's so true it's like train your gut to like to what you're going to be using on race day so getting ready for my marathon like i made sure like on my biggest kind of key marathon sessions even like 
broken tempos with it's like five, four, three, two, one that, you know, pace and getting quicker. It's like in between those reps or in between like on a loop course during like a 24, 25 miler, every 5k, every three miles, I'm grabbing a bottle of liquid carbs or like electrolytes with a ketone shot or a gel with electrolytes. So it's like, it's again a combination of one of those three things within my long runs, within my major workouts prior to my marathon race. And then I just practiced that again in my marathon and kind of copy and pasted that about to the 50 miler. So for me, I wish I should have done the exact math for this call, but overall in the 50 mile race, I consumed, it was like 390 grams of carbs throughout, um, which is, I wish I would have consumed more, but like with the aid stations, they're roughly every five miles, but it's like with that, like, I don't want to like overstimulate my stomach. So it was like, I was essentially switching bottles between like a carb mix and my ketones from ketone IQ. Then my next one was going to be electrolytes with a Morton gel and the Morton gel 160. So the 40 grams of carbs there. And that's kind of how, how I did with, uh, with the 50 miler, just rotating those two bottles, give my stomach a little variation, the electrolytes with the carbs, help absorption, the ketone shot for a little focus, a little bit of extra energy. So that's what I did for, for the 50 miler. And yeah, just typical like diet training, I guess, dive into that. Like I eat the exact same thing every single day for the first, I guess we'll call it three meals. So it's like pre-run is going to be bread, nut butter, creamed honey spread. Um, I pour over coffee, ketone shot before I run. If I have like a workout, I have extra liquid carbs prior to sip that and have like a full serving right with breakfast. Go do that. Obviously fuel within the workout. If I, if it's a bigger session, if it's a sort of session, you're good. Come back. I'll make the same exact smoothie. Almond milk, frozen banana, spinach, blueberries, collagen, whey protein, a few days a week, creatine. That's my woolly breakfast usually holds me over. Same lunch can be like a tuna salad wrap or a chicken salad wrap with an apple, some electrolytes. And then dinner is going to be like a carb, a veggie, and some form of protein. So like miso salmon, like tonight's literally going to be salmon, white rice with coconut aminos, buffalo cauliflower. And then before bed, I usually have like yogurt or an extra protein shake. So that's how I do it. And then like, that's pretty much every single day, truthfully. And then like going into a race, like two days before. So it's like, let's say you race on a Saturday, that Thursday. And I don't really count my macros exactly, you know, but like, I just know how I feel when I feel that way. So I'll do that even like two days out. But the thing is like that dinner two days out, it's like on a Thursday before a Saturday race. It's like, I'm like shoving as many carbs in my body as I possibly can. Where it's like, I'm gonna eat the biggest bowl of like, say you just go to like, even Italian place or whatever. It's like, Give me just an extra bowl of just noodles. Like doesn't have to have sauce on it. Just extra carbs. Give me an extra breadstick. Like, well, like I feel disgusting, feel puffy, but I know it's like, I'm optimized. Like I'm jacking up my carb stores. Cause they typically peak 36 hours to 40 ish hours out from like an event. So it's going to peak in your system. So that's kind of my goal. Feel disgusting going to bed, but you wake up feeling pretty good. Um, then lately my go-to like pre-race has just been sushi the night before wow sushi <laughs> yeah yes yeah, so. it works for you don't change it yeah i mean it's just like for me like i love salmon so i'll just do like a lightly like i'll say like i'll go spicy salmon like one i love spicy stuff and two it's not that spicy so i'll just go like it's the white rice you're gonna get the salmon with it high quality protein um usually like some sort of like seaweed or veggies with it as well so boom like box checked and then typically just kind of the same thing before a race it'll be just like the carb serving an extra serving of ketones with usually probably more like an extra slice of blood with nut butter and honey. Um, that's kind of just how, how my diet is and just kind of plug and play every single day. So, and I just know how my body feels like before I run, after I run, however I cover how my stomach feels on my second run. Cause I run like now I'm sort of tapering. Like I just kind of hit the taper for the trial. So I didn't, I'm not doubling today, but like, I know exactly when I double, it's like I double six days a week minimum. Like, wow. 
So I know exactly how, I know exactly how my stomach feels like with what I'm eating on that second run. And then I can typically, you know, like if I'm craving a Chipotle bowl, you know, like get an extra side tortilla, like get a extra burrito, have extra chips with it. Like what up if you're hungry and stuff. So like, I definitely, I eat if I'm hungry, like I always have like kind of snacks, like easy to granola bars, oatmeal, extra bread with nut butter, and honey, you know, stuff like that protein bars, but I exactly know how I feel off of that diet. So train well, you know, recover well off of that. So kind of roll with that. So, and for me with training and racing, it's just like, just make sure you're one train it like in training to make sure you can handle it, how you feel off of it. And then two, it's like, you know, just have it ready to go because of that in the race. So. Wow. Wow. So much to gain from that. Thanks for sharing. Um, I think there's a lot we can learn from that. It's like, it's amazing how, you know, you've become such a creature of habit and you've got your routine down to a T and your nutrition down to a T and it's clearly working for you. So yeah, if it works for you, as we know, don't change it too much. Um, in your smoothie, you said you had quite a few things that go into it, but two things were whey protein and creatine. How important is it to take that as endurance runners? And would you say whey protein is a lot more beneficial than just a normal protein shake that you would find? I think so. Yeah, it's just going to be a little like in terms of like how your body absorbs it and how it's going to like just in terms of muscle recovery and hit your system quicker. It's going to have a higher amino acid profile like leucine, um, like glutamines, just higher concentrations within whey protein than any other protein. Like if your stomach can't handle whey protein, like other vegan protein or other, it's better, you know, than any sort of, than no protein, I'd say. But for me, it's just like, I load that, like, it's huge for recovery. Just get it in as soon as I can after the rate or after I run or after I train, um, just to really kick in that recovery cycle. Cause at that point, your muscles and your body will take in pretty much anything you give it. It's just not desperate for calories, but it just wants some sort of nutrients. So like muscle breakdown and all that also helps the musculoskeletal work with the collagen as well. So like, boom, get to work right away with that and then creatine is every not necessarily every day it's usually three or four days a week i'll throw just an extra scoop of creatine in um just helps with just kind of muscular explosiveness helps with like just kind of power output not that i need a ton of power but i still do you know yesterday i ran i closed my workout yesterday in 27 seconds for a 200 so i still like to have that neuromuscular efficiency and that power and obviously creatine not saying creatine does was because of that but it just like helps with just muscular yeah, muscular strength which muscle yeah yeah very, very cool something that we should we should definitely be adding to our smoothies that's for sure okay two more questions firstly weekly mileage so you said you double six days a week minimum so basically you, you double run every day what sort of mileage do you average throughout the year and especially in like peak weeks to your your ultra and marathon training yeah peak peak week or peak training was and this was the biggest i've ever done where i hit Four weeks consistently, 140, 145. Peaked at 145. Lowest was like 141. The rest were like 142, 143. The the weeks around that were all like 135, 133, 130 ish, um, and kind of descending back down from you know 120 as you get towards racing. But kept the volume pretty high. And within that, within those weeks, um, I usually like to break it up. I'll call it like a two week cycle is what I do for myself. I do the classic like. Tuesday tempo type session. I'll do like a Friday type VO2 session on the track, just kind of a, a steady, honest long run on um, on Sunday where it's like nothing specific. Like just go like do a light warm up, just drills, couple strides, and get into it. Go like sub six out of the gate for twenty to twenty five miles. Like just be if you feel good, work it down to sometimes five lows, but just be make an honest effort. Then the next week I'll go like two bigger sessions of like a Wednesday typically a more aggressive track session. And then I'll go a broken up, like long run where it's like a longer warm up, 
change shoes, go do four by three miles or something, you know, then change shoes again, cool down. So that's kind of how I break it up where it's going to be Tuesday, Friday, Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, the reset to Tuesday, Friday. That's typically how I like to do it. Um, but they still within that too, you know, I'm running my easy days are 14 and four, sometimes 15 and five. If I feel really terrible in the morning, I'll go 13 and five. Um, but at least, a, at least a half marathon in the morning, um, you know, every day on, on the recovery day. So, um, and minimum four or five in the, in the afternoon. So amazing, amazing monster mileage. <laughs> and that's a good way to break it down as well. Um, and I, lo I love the fact that you're keeping so much quality in your training. Like you said, closed in 27 seconds for 200 is obviously no joke, especially when you've got that ultra power in you and you're targeting the ultra. So yeah, I guess that's where, you know, the world record comes into play is that you still have that huge element of quality, not just mileage within your training. And for those listening that work in kilometers like me and not necessarily miles, 145 mile weeks are 233 kilometer weeks. So yeah, doing that four weeks consistently is just insane. Um, and it's amazing how your body's adapted to be able to handle that load from, you know, previously being injured for, for 13 months. So congrats on that and, and onwards and upwards. And then final question. Okay, so in my case, uh, and this question is more for me, um, I've been trying to break two hours and 20 minutes for the marathon distance. I've had my last four attempts. Um, I've run 220 and eight seconds, 220, 59 seconds, 221 and 222. So I've averaged 221 and 27 seconds. Um, any tips and advice for me to, to get under that sub 220? Yeah, dude, like I think for, and this is just how, like how I approach it all too. It's like, if I'm a lethal, like almost like 10K half marathon guy, like I know I'm fit for the marathon. If I'm fit for the marathon, I know I'm fit for ultra stuff. So like going back to you, it's like, I'd say keep doing track sessions and VO2 work. Like the aggressive Ks, the hard 800s, the 600s, even like at the end of sessions, add just hard 400s or hard 200s. You know, like that's my favorite way to finish finish sessions like yesterday like for example is like you know i got the marathon just coming up i did i did eight by k off a 200 jog 400 jog then four by 200 cut down with 30 29 28 27 like worked pretty hard to run 28 and 27 but obviously did it but it's like for me it's like if i am that powerful and i can run 54 second 400 pace for even like a 200 or you know close a a, a 400 at, at the end of a workout and sub 60 it's like i know that's gonna make five flat pace feel pretty dang easy obviously it's like you still have to have a lot of work behind you in the marathon, like a lot more miles mm -hmm. versus, you know, just 8k, but it's like just having that neuromuscular efficiency and firing is like one thing that I've found works a ton, you know, even like this is a few weeks ago where I felt up until about really about two weeks ago, I felt terrible. This entire segment just felt flat, felt lethargic, like legs felt heavy. I was really, I was hitting the splits I wanted to in workouts, but nothing felt easy. Cause I was just, I think a little fatigued from my, from the 50 miles still. And cause I went right back into training, you know? And then my college coach Plaz, he goes, I text him like, yo, feeling flat. Any like workout recs for this Friday? He's like, dude, go do 16 by, by 200 off of, it was four sets of four, two hundreds with 100 jog recovery. And he was starting at like the first two sets were 32, 31, 30, 29. The last two sets were 31, 30, 29, 28 off a hundred jog. And like that in a way, again, it's like, it's very short. And I'm like, how am I gonna hit my mileage today, dude? Like that's, that's nothing for a session. He's like, just do it. Like, just trust me. Like just one session enough of like closing fast at some of the earlier workouts, but that one where I went in like relatively fresh felt not bad. It, the session didn't feel good at all, but I've like all of a sudden the last few workouts felt so smooth at like five flat pace. And even, you know, I finished my, like 
last workout closed in something crazy closed in you know 929 for 3200 meters like it's like that did not feel that smooth a month ago and it's like but i've done enough muscular firing workouts to keep that efficiency going again this it's only 16 200 so it's like sprinkle that in on occasion and see kind of how your body responds if you know as long as you don't pull a hammy or jack of your achilles like keep that in the rotation i would think you'll see just those paces start to feel a little easier a little easier and eventually just kind of extend them out and extrapolate it to a marathon so i know i kind of went down a wormhole but i think that's i think that's kind of a Kind of a great play. It's worked for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just sharpen up a tiny bit more on the higher end and, and marathon pace will feel more comfortable on race day. And yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. Um, I know I said that was my last question a lot. I've got one more question for you. Doing so much mileage and so many double sessions, how much sleep are you aiming to get in a night and are you having a nap every day? So here's what's weird. And I've like, I've had, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole either, but I don't nap. And it's kind of funny. Where I think it's like honestly an anxiety thing where there was one time in, in college, it was my second year where I was like, I'm going to lay down for like 20 minutes, you know, practices in two hours. I have time, didn't set an alarm, woke up eight minutes before practice. And I was like, Fuck. like, you know, had to hustle. Like I made it, I made it to practice because I lived like two blocks away from, from our locker room. But so like, I really haven't napped in eight, nine years really because I have to be really, I've probably, I've took one nap this fall when I got back from my marathon. Cause I was like an early travel day the day after the race, got home. So I had to run, but I'm like, I want to nap. So I actually fell asleep for like an hour, uh, but I had nothing to do as a Sunday evening. So I was good. And then I usually like my girlfriend, she's okay with it when I'm in heavy training, but I usually go to bed about 8 PM. Like I, I go to bed really early and I usually wake up by five 30. You know, if, if I set an alarm, it'll be at six, but I rarely ever make it to my alarm. So um, usually I'm sleeping, you know, in bed at eight, like falling asleep by 8 15 8 30 and then wake up at 5 30 so i'm getting at least nine hours every single night at least trying to you know so wow that's impressive nine hours i mean that's when your body's truly recovering when you're sleeping so at your sort of level and your mileage uh it's crucial yeah i'm sure a lot of us listening would love to get nine hours but don't but we can get better at least eight but if, if you can get to nine a, a bonus cool honestly um charlie thanks so much it was awesome to chat to you good luck for trials we're backing you and maybe I'll see you at the start of Comrades in a couple of years' time. Yeah, you'll you, you'll see me there, definitely, man. So appreciate you having me on. Cool. All the best. Thanks for sharing that with us. Cheers, champ. Bye-bye. See ya.